All right, welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling. He's zooming in from Miami at Hard Rock Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings again escaped with a win, 24-16. to 16. Ben, let's just get it right to you, the, the guy in the stadium on the ground. You talked to Kevin O'Connell and the, and the members involved. How are they feeling after going, what, 10, <laughs> 10 three and outs to go 5-1? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, they gave up almost twice as many yards as they uh, posted. Now, some of that's late in the fourth quarter, but 10 three and outs punted more often 10 times than any team in the NFL this season, according to Joe Shad. Um, and they, I think, had converted like four third downs all day, had 11 first downs for the entire game, had a, a number of moments where it looks like it was getting a little tense on the sideline between Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins. Uh, everybody says everything's good there, but I think there's an understanding that as it's been a familiar theme, but there's an understanding that they need to be a lot better. Kevin O'Connell said it afterwards that we're not playing very well. We're not very consistent right now. And, uh, but it sort of beats the alternative and cousins talked about it. I think we talked, we've talked about it too. And cousins kind of put gave voice to it today that last year they were sitting here at one and three. Mike Zimmer is telling everybody, this is a better team than it looks. Just you wait and see. It, it's a lot more fun to be sitting here at five and one and say, hey, we should be better than this. We got to figure some things out. Um, yeah, I, I think there's certainly a, an understanding that they need to be better than this. But, you know, you'd rather figure things out at five and one than try to play with your hair on fire at, at one and four or one and five, whatever it would have to be. Well, and this Sunday didn't really do much to dissuade people from thinking everything was just kind of going their way this season so far, right? Because they catch a New Orleans Saints team that was banged up. Um, They obviously catch the Packers in disarray this year and still have a two-game lead in the division, even though they're five and one and kind of wondering how good are they really. And now you catch the Dolphins at a spot where they're already starting a seventh-round rookie in Skylar Thompson, but then they lose him to an injury and bring in Teddy Bridgewater, who was just cleared from the concussion protocol just uh, Saturday, I believe. Just and that moment that looked like he was just cleared, I, I would say. I mean, there, there seemed to be some moments where he just wasn't – he didn't have as much on the ball as normal. Um, and he's had another injury, I think, that he's been working through in addition to the concussion. But he just – he didn't look – they looked, I thought, more efficient at times with Thompson in their early than they did at times with Teddy. You know, a lot of Teddy's yards were, were late in the game when they were trying to come back from the two-touchdown deficit. Yeah, it looked like the timing was just off. He looked like a guy who hadn't practiced, obviously, with that offense, uh, as he didn't for much of that week uh, leading up to that game. So, And then the Dolphins are just banged up across the board. They're moving tackles because their left tackle, Taron Armstead's out. Yep. Um, and I saw uh, on Twitter, NFL Next Gen Stats puts out there the Vikings ended up with 25 pressures in that game on those two quarterbacks, which was the yep. most in one of their games since 2016. Um, yes, it could be the Cardinals that year, I believe. That's insane. So how 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 um, how much can we take away from that, given everything that we just set up about the Dolphins and how banged up they are? Yeah, I mean, you have to keep that in some context, I think, for that reason. This was certainly the best their pass rush has looked all year. And they had some some good schemes, I thought, for it. They had both the Patrick Jones sacks. He was lined up on the same side as Daniil Hunter. And the first one, Hunter and Smith were on that same side. Smith, I think, was inside of Hunter, and Jones was to the outside. But Jones runs a stunt to get through there. And then on the second one, I think he he basically came off Smith's outside shoulder as well. So I thought they had some clever things 
We saw a few blitzes. We saw a tip of the cap to the old Mike Zimmer look with the double leg gap blitz. <laughs> Yeah. Um, at one point with Eric Hendricks and Jordan Hicks and Hicks got a hit on, uh, I think it would have been Bridgewater at that point with that look. So, um, yeah, we, we, maybe it was Skylar Thompson. Cause I think I would have noted if it was Bridgewater cause he's practiced against that look quite a bit in the time he spent in Minnesota. But yeah, I, I thought they were better. The pass rush was better overall than it has been, but yeah, you do have to keep a lot of this in context. And the other thing to remember for those who can think back to, Teddy Bridgewater's couple of years in Minnesota, both of us covered it. He does hold the ball at times where he will give you chances to get home because he's holding the ball, trying to make a play. Not a guy that gets out of the pocket a ton. He likes to throw quick game stuff too, but we certainly saw today at times where he was holding on to it and gave them some chances. So, um, you know, you have to kind of take it for what it's worth, I think, but I thought the designs and the overall game plan was a little more, creative, a little more aggressive today, which is, is probably not a bad thing to see. Yeah, he didn't get much help from his teammates with Jalen Waddell, obviously having the fumble uh, uh, by Harrison Smith causing that one. Then Jalen Waddell also dropped a pass, tipped a pass that turned into, I believe, the Harrison Smith interception. Yes. Yeah, after Cam Bynum smacked him pretty hard to knock that ball up into the air. So Teddy just didn't, yeah, didn't get much help the entire day. And that feeds into the, the whole wondering just how good are the Vikings really? And in this offense, what do we make of that struggle um, to get anything going? Um, actually, at one point, Kevin O'Connell told the broadcast, because I was watching the broadcast feed, told the broadcast uh, reporter that our wide receivers just need to get open. They're just not getting open against Justin, uh, against uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And so I think they were just losing the battle on the outsides early and that contributed to some of the frustrations, but that's supposed to be your strength there. And the dolphins dolphins have been really up and down in terms of their secondary this yeah. year. And maybe it was just a sharp day for them, but it certainly wasn't a sharp day for, for uh, the Vikings passing game or the running game for that. Matter. Yeah. Yeah. They played a lot of the man coverage stuff that has given the Vikings some trouble this year. I and mean, then Xavier Howard, we, we figured we'd see Justin Jefferson and then kind of shifts to Adam Thielen in the red zone, which he, he did. Thielen beat him on the touchdown uh, from Cousins there in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It, that felt to me like a team that you could throw on, and I thought it would be a team that they could run on as well. They just were not able to do that. And I think at the point that Dalvin Cook busts the big run, he carried like nine times for like 11 or 12 yards or something like that. They just weren't getting – Christian Wilkins had an awfully good day. They were For all of the, the Garrett Bradbury love, Christian Wilkins uh, had a pretty good day against Bradbury. He, I think those two had, I'm looking it up this week, they had faced each other in the ACC in college when Wilkins was at Clemson. Bradbury was North Carolina State, obviously, but Wilkins got the better of that matchup in a few spots today and kind of some shades of things we've seen from, from Bradbury before. Certainly the, the one where Cousins has Bradbury walk back into his lap and has to throw it away to avoid a safety. Uh, yeah, that comes to mind. But they had a lot of trouble with this defense and I didn't think they'd have as much as they did. And that's certainly something that's concerning because if not for the, they won this game in part because of the turnovers and the dolphins just weren't able to get anything going for a lot of it, but they really had like two big plays to, to make those two drives, those two touchdown drives happen. And other than that, it was, uh, it would, it was, not really producing a whole lot. And they had so much good field position that they just did nothing with too. I mean, they started four or five drives in a row from the end of the second half or sorry, from the end of the second quarter 
to the middle of the third quarter where like their worst starting field position was their own 41. And I think those netted three points. I mean, that, that kind of stuff, if you're good, or if you're, at least if you're efficient at this point, you're scoring on those and pulling away. And uh, they just weren't able to do that. They were not. It was not a clean day on offense. And I thought Ed Ingram, the, the rookie right guard, had some up and down moments yeah, he did. as well. And uh, it's in, when the punter, Ryan Wright, gets the game ball, according to Kevin O'Connell, after, <laughs> ten, after 10 punts, setting uh, the, the highest mark for any punter uh, in a game this season. Uh, you know, it just. Yard bomb, too, or 73, I think it was. That's, yeah, 73. I think it tied the. I, I looked this up. It tied. It was like the fifth, fifth longest of franchise history. I think it tied for. So, anyway, record breaking punts. Incredible, incredible. When he is Always the guy. When he's the guy getting the game ball, you know it didn't go the way uh, that you maybe it, it should have uh, or that you wanted it to. But um, Teddy Bridgewater bemoaned the quote bad luck in the quarterback room for the Dolphins this year, and it's hard to disagree with him. Yeah. Um, you know they they practice all week with Skylar Thompson, uh, Mike McDaniel, their head coach is effusive in praising him before the game and how good he feels about him going in. I thought Skylar Thompson actually looked pretty decent yeah. at first, picking up a first down with his legs early to the point where the Vikings put Brian Osamoa in the guy they've kind of tabbed as this kind of quarterback spy that yep. they're going to use in these moments. And, but then he gets hurt, bangs up his finger right after Jordan Hicks hits him on a blitz and it was just downhill from there. And yet the Dolphins were still in it because of how the Vikings were playing. It was just incredible. And because um, of the penalties they, they had true. the one drive the Dolphins had where they ended up punting. Uh, they, they had 76 yards and six plays, but they had 36 yards of penalties. So I think they had penalized like four or five times on that drive. And I mean, it almost was comical at that point. So between the penalties, the turnovers, and just the bad injury luck, yeah, it, it was. It's one of those that you say, well, okay, it's when you play a team at the right time. Because don't you kind of think that if Tua Tagovailoa does, if he gets hurt in a more kind of mundane fashion, um, he because he got through enough practice this week that I sort of wonder if the NFL's scrutiny wasn't so focused on that particular injury to the point where we changed the concussion protocol because of it. I kind of wonder if he would have been the starter. And, and Mike McDaniel, I think, you know, kind of it leaked out this morning that part of the reason Scott Thompson was starting is because McDaniel has enough stuff in his offense that it's like, if you don't practice, I don't really want you to go out there and be the guy at least right away. So that had something to do with why Bridgewater didn't start. But I also sort of wonder when the league is looking this closely at the Dolphins right now, I, part of me feels like this might have been a little bit of a, uh, let's just uh, play it safe for now. Yeah, the Bridgewater one was interesting because um, according to reports, I think multiple reporters, credible ones, Bridgewater like cleared the concussion testing yeah. initially when he got taken out of the last week's game. Oh, yeah. And so that was the reporting there, that, but, but he was still in the protocol because basically if it's interpreted that you were exhibiting the symptoms, then you still need to go through all the testing to get out of the protocol. So it's still going to take you X amount of days to get out of it. So that's why he couldn't practice, even though he had reportedly cleared the concussion testing once he got yanked from the game against the Jets the week before. So this whole thing has people wondering, right, like, is it going to affect a game that really matters in terms of playoff standings? Are you going to get a quarterback getting yanked because he's stumbling? Teddy Bridgewater, I loved it, said after the game, your, quote, pop-up game has to be on point. 
Meaning that when you get yeah, hit, you need to get up <laughs> right away. You can't stumble. He said, Teddy said, he's like, I got, I'm a guy who likes to kind of slowly get up and kind of take my time. He's like, I can't do that anymore. And he's right. Yeah. And there was one that I, I think it was in the first half. He got smacked on. It was either a hit on the quarterback or maybe it was one where he was running, but he would, it's a play out of the pocket one way or the other. But he got hit and he popped up like that. And I kind of thought, I, because this is right after Skylar Thompson had been hurt. And I'm thinking, if he goes down, I don't know who the quarterback is. And that was probably his mind, too. It's like, I got to get right up so that they don't get that independent neurological consultant involved and, and uh, take me out of the game. Exactly. So, exactly. And, and God, yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's concerning on a lot of levels. I mean, you know, we're sitting here kind of making light of it, but and the, we're making light of it because it's just kind of crazy that players think this way this is how they think because they get paid to play and they want to play but um when you have to make those types of decisions with your the health of your brain um it's probably worth a pause there at least to say hey this is this is kind of nuts the way the system incentivizes certain things but this is kind of what's the what's the phrase from the old movie it's chinatown jake and then it's just this is how the game works well, it, it, it's kind of incredible what the NFL's got going on right now because at the same time, the Packers are playing the Jets at Lambeau and Quinnen Williams hits Aaron Rodgers. But it, when he hit him, he pulled up in, in such an incredibly um, uh, like exaggerated fashion that he missed Rodgers kind of having the ball like just out there for Quinnen Williams to take. And so I, the, people are talking about this now saying, well, wait a minute, here's an example of a defender having the rule in his head so much that he's missing a possible game-changing play, and obviously the Jets The rule, are... of course, that you're referring to is the one that was created when Anthony Barr hit Aaron Rodgers in 2017. That's true, yeah, five, five years ago already. And yeah. now it's become such an emphasis point um, where it seems like it's just such a hair trigger with getting these things called, and it is affecting games. And so you've got them almost... Week six open. of that season, too. I think it was five years ago yesterday that happened. That's true. That's true. They're they're but they're overprotecting these guys at one point, and then at the other point, um, you've got them letting Tua getting criticized because they're letting Tua back into a game after he's getting obviously jacked up. Um, so wait, are we saying that there's times where the NFL makes things up as they go along? <laughs> I think they're just really trying to figure out how they can get the public to be happy about uh, yeah. violent sport. Um, I mean, we've never seen that happen with the <laughs> NFL before, but you know, it's supposed to be possible. <laughs> All right. Well, with the last five minutes here, uh, how how good are the Vikings? I guess when you can stack them up to the five and one Giants, who escape with a win against the Ravens today, uh, and the Eagles, who we are recording this before the Eagles kick off tonight against the Cowboys. But um, regardless, they're going to be competitors. So when I look at this and I see people saying, well, how good are the Vikings at five and one? My retort is going to be, well, it doesn't matter because is there really anybody else in the conference that's that kind of scares you, I guess? No, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I think the team that you would say scares you, I guess, based on what they did is the Eagles. And um, we can't get into it a ton, but suffice it to say the Vikings are excited about the possibility of seeing them again. Uh, that's all I can really say but yeah i mean the eagles will be the team based on the fact they're undefeated and or so not anymore but um or are they still uh they are right now but they play the cowboys tonight yeah so yeah we have to we have to wait and see 
we'll people are listening. People listening to this will know whether or not they're still undefeated. But regardless, they're going to be there in January. So. Right, but they've been the last undefeated team in the NFC, and they beat the Vikings pretty convincingly on Monday Night Football a few weeks back. Uh, I suppose, and this is really, really early to be even thinking about this, but if you're the Vikings, you want someone else to win that division because, well, I guess at this point, it probably won't really matter by the end because they'll see the Giants and the Cowboys, but if they can beat the Giants and Cowboys, who they both play at home, You'd rather have the Eagles not win the division because then the Eagles don't end up as a first-place team that could be in a tiebreaker with you. Uh, this is where we are analyzing tiebreaking scenarios between the Vikings, Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles in week six, just like everybody drew it up, just like everybody thought we'd be doing. Those those five-and-one pesky Giants. They haven't allowed yeah. a team to score more than 23 points on them all year. So Yeah, it's, uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Crazy league. Crazy. So, Christmas Eve, Vikings, Giants. <laughs> Uh, in a game that is supposed to start at noon, but we'll see if it stays there. You were mentioning before the podcast that the Vikings are the only team in the NFL with a two-game lead in the division. Is that true? They are, yes. Uh, the the Chiefs could have pushed theirs to two if they had won and the Chargers had lost tomorrow night, but the Chiefs losing to the Bills at home today uh, means that the Vikings will be assured of being the only team in the NFL that's up two games in its division, which is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean a lot in week six, but you'd rather be there than not. I mean, for the amount of time that they've had to spend scrambling back into the playoff race, only to miss it by a game the last couple of years, you're sitting here at this point saying, somebody else got to come catch us. And not only are they up two in the division, they're three and oh in the, in the division and they've beaten the Packers once. So, they have a lot going for them, tiebreaker-wise, already. I mean, again, we you only need to look back to 2016, and I talked to Adam Thielen about that team uh, for a while after the game today, kind of the, the cautionary tale that that 2016 team became when they started 5-0 and ended up 8-8 eight eight in the playoffs. So it doesn't mean a whole lot at this point, but you are in a spot where if you do what you need to do, you know, you win another six games of the last 11 on the schedule um, with the tiebreakers going the way they, they could, they're going to be in a pretty good spot to, to win the division possibly for the first time since 2017. Yeah. What they're really doing is widening that margin for error. Yes. Um, That's exactly it for themselves. And they, they are showing also in this five and one start that they might need a wide margin for error. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll see what, what happens? Um, yeah, well, we will check back in uh, with everybody this week. Well, at some point this week, as the Vikings enter their bye, um, we will give a little bit of an update of where they sit at at this point, six games into the season. They enter the bye this week and then come out of it with a home game against the Arizona Cardinals as the first of 11 games left in this regular season. Please check out all of our work at startreen.com where you'll find Ben and Jim Suhan's dispatches from Miami and all of our coverage of the Vikings win in Miami. And do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less, so I'll say less.